Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Let's jump into the words. Uh, We are in week three of our series on Sabbath. And my hope is that this is creating some dialogue in your homes. Is anybody talking about this in the car or around the table or perfect again, three people. I love it. <laughs> someday, someday my hope is I'm going to say, is anybody in going to go, whoa, it's going to be. Uh, but if only three people are getting it, praise God. That's good. Whatever. Uh, I hope it's starting some conversations and you're asking what does Sabbath look like in your context? And we've asked the question every week. And we'll continue to ask it throughout the series. What could or would a 24-hour Sabbath look like in your life? How would it affect your family, your job, your relationship with God? And we spent the first two weeks laying some groundwork. We began by revisiting our theme for the year, which is renew. And that comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Paul wrote a letter to first century Christians in Rome. And in that letter... uh, Chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we look specifically at the word conform. It's a Greek word called schema. I'm going to give you a lot of definitions today, so take pictures of the screen or write fast. Uh, But this is kind of a review. The Greek word is schema, and it means habitus, which is not a word that we use very often in our English language. Uh, And what that means is our way of being. And so when Paul wrote this letter to the first century Christians in Rome, he was telling them not to allow their way of being to be unconsciously formed by the culture around them. Fast forward more than 2000 years to the present day and we have the same problem. Often we allow our culture and society to unconsciously form our way of being. And one of the ways that we've conformed our lives to culture is our view of rest. So instead of viewing and practicing rest God's way, we have adopted the world's view of rest. And because we often rest like the world does, we're often exhausted like the world is as Christ followers. We should not be just as worn out, depleted and exhausted as the world. I'm not saying we'll never get tired. I'm saying that God has provided a way for us to be refreshed. We also spent some time looking specifically at the Ten Commandments. We talked about how we don't follow the Ten Commandments as a means to salvation. Because salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The book of Acts tells us that there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. The name of Jesus. We were just singing about that. See, our good works cannot save us. The Ten Commandments can't save us. The law of Moses can't save us. The Old Covenant cannot make us righteous. Our righteousness or our right standing with God can only come through Jesus. And while our salvation is found in the New Covenant, we talked about that during communion, and it comes from surrendering our lives to and placing our faith in Jesus, we don't simply dismiss the wisdom principles that are found in the Ten Commandments. In other words, we don't just all of a sudden condone murder, adultery, simply because they're a part of the Mosaic Law, and that was what we did back then. So why would we dismiss the fourth and often most forgotten and most abused commandment, which is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? Now, we spent last week talking about how God's principle of Sabbath 
and rest predates the law of Moses by 2,500 years. That God exemplified rest for us in the beginning. And we ended the message by looking at a powerful verse of Scripture from Exodus 31, verse 17. It says this, It will be a sign, talking about Sabbath, between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. On the seventh day He Sabbathed. He was refreshed. Did God need to be refreshed? Of course not. Sabbath wasn't important for God. It was important for us. It was so important that he exemplified it 2,500 years before the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments came into existence. Sabbath rest goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. The word refreshed is the Hebrew word nafash, and it means to take breath or to refresh one's self. God has made a way for us to be refreshed. He made a way for us to catch our breath. You ever felt like you just couldn't catch your breath? Going so hard, so fast all the time. You're like, I just need a moment to catch my breath. Sabbath is a way for us to be refreshed. I started running again not too long ago, and it's hard. And uh, <laughs> at small groups the other night, Jim was telling me he was, I saw him the other day, I was running on 441, at least I thought I was running, but I looked like I was having a heart attack. And so he's doing a U-turn, U-turn. he's doing a U-turn, he sees me, I see him, and I'm like, hey, I must look pretty happy, you know? And then last night he told me, he's like, yeah, you look like you were about to die. <laughs> he was like, I thought about stopping to see if you're okay, but then I thought, nah, let him die. <laughs> harsh. I know. I know. God has made a way for us to catch our breath. Look, I know this series hasn't been real preachy, maybe not a lot of excitement, but this content has the power to radically change your life. And I believe that this year's theme, including uh, of renewal, including Sabbath, is some of the most important material that we'll ever learn. Someone who was taking the subject to heart last week was resting during the message, a.k.a. taking a nap. <laughs> this person reached out to us later. It was like, hey, what do you think about, you know, throughout the rest of the series, we just take 20 minutes and Sabbath. And I was like, <laughs> my own daughter was getting glossy eyed on the front row last week. I didn't know if she was going to make it. So uh, anyway, lightly push her day. We're telling her to wake up. Uh, all right. So this is, let's dig a little bit deeper. Genesis chapter two, beginning in verse two, it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, when this passage says God rested, as we discussed earlier and last week, it wasn't because he needed rest as we understand rest. The word rest here or the Hebrew word Shabbat, our English word Sabbath means to cease and desist or rest from work. So he was stopping. So what this is saying is God had completed the work. He was finished. And so he stopped. Or he Sabbathed. Again, God is exemplifying that Sabbath means to stop work. Now, the account of creation, the account of the creation of the world is found in the book of Genesis. And it tells us that God looked at his work and he said, it is very good. Now, in our modern culture, the day begins when the sun rises. In ancient Jewish culture, the day began at sunset and ended at sunset. Now, there's debate to this day whether the biblical day begins in the morning or the evening. And I'm not trying to enter that debate. To be honest, I don't think it matters that much. 
Some folks get all worked up over these crazy things that they're trying to prove or disprove. And it's just things that just aren't that important. They don't matter that much. Quick side note, 2 Timothy, Paul told his protege, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. I wonder what Paul would have to say about our social media usage. All right. Just a quick stab real quick. All right. Back to Sabbath before we all get in trouble. What I'm about to point out to us is in no way meant to be doctrine. Right. I'm not trying to build this doctrine around this. But the principle that's present in Genesis in the Genesis account of creation that applies to Sabbath and rest is very important. In Genesis one, one through five. I'm just going to read a few verses. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We were just singing that as the spirit was moving over the waters. Spirit come move over us. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness. He called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. On day two, God created the sky. On day three, God created dry ground and plants and vegetation. On day four, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. On day five, God created birds and sea creatures. And on day six, God created land animals and humans, Adam and Eve. On day seven, God created rest, Sabbath. Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to read through all 31 verses of the creation account in Genesis 1. But every time God completed something, the text reads this way. And there was evening... And there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God creates. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And then God creates. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Do you see the pattern? There was evening and then there was... There was evening and there was... If the day begins in the evening... And again, I'm not trying to make a doctrine here. We're focusing on the principle. If the day begins in the evening, then the first thing that I do is sleep or rest. And so when the sun rises and I begin my work, I'm working from a place of rest. Rest first, then work. Our work should flow from a place of rest. Remember from week one, we talked about all of our being or all of our doing for God must flow from our being with God. This is a similar principle. Be before you do rest before you work. We see this exemplified again when God created people on day six. God creates Adam. He shows Adam the garden and he gives him instruction and he tells him that he's to work and take care of the garden. See, some people think that work is a result of, the, of Adam and Eve's original sin all the way back in the Garden of Eden. That's not true. God placed Adam in the garden and said, I want you to cultivate or work this garden or work this land. I want you to take care of this thing that I've created. Later, after Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the ground and said, for the rest of your life, you will toil. Right, this is an important word. I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. But he said, for the rest of your life, you will toil for your food. All right, back to the point I'm trying to make. God created Adam and Eve on day six. There was evening and there was morning. That means that Adam and Eve's first full day on the earth was not a day of work, but a day of rest. Their first full day was the Sabbath. 
So they were operating from a place of rest. Here's the point I'm trying to make. As Christ followers, and this is point number one, if you're taking notes, we don't work for rest, we work from rest. We don't work for rest, we work from rest. See, if we have to complete everything on our task list before we rest, we'll never truly rest. Because there will always be things that need to be completed. The world says you have to work and work and earn your time off. Right? We sing songs about it. Work, 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 work. (laughs) And when you're finished with your work, then you can take a break. But God says rest. And then out of that rest, do your work unto me. God's rest is not a reward for hard work. And when we view rest as a reward, we're conforming to the world's view. Rich Velotis, one of the authors that I quoted earlier uh, when I gave you a list of books that you might be interested in, says this, quote, Sabbath is not a reward for hard work. Sabbath is a gift that precedes work and enables us to work. We don't work for rest. We work from rest. Now, we've been in the Old Testament for the past couple of weeks Let's jump into the New Testament and see this principle at work, no pun intended, in the life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus is water baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John. Then in Luke 4, we read the famous passage of the temptation of Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, I'm only going to read a couple of these verses, 1 and 2. Jesus, full of the Spirit, this is right after he was water baptized, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Now, during these 40 days, we have record that Jesus was tempted at least three separate times by the devil. Each of those times, Jesus responded by speaking the word of God as his defense. For time's sake, we're not going to read all through that. We're going to drop to verse 14. Now, this is after Jesus just spent 40 days fasting, praying, and in solitude. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, which was his custom. This is a side note to the point that I'm trying to make. But Jesus honored the Sabbath. It was his custom. The Greek word custom is etho, where we get our word ethos or ethos, which essentially describes a way of being for an entire society or culture. Jesus honored the Sabbath. It was his custom. It was part of his Ethos. All right, back to the point. Up until this moment in the life of Jesus, he performed no miracles. He's baptized in water. The Holy Spirit descends upon him and remains upon him, as, as is described in the book of John. He's immediately led into the wilderness for 40 days and nights. This was a significant moment of formation. The fasting, the solitude, the prayer, and the communion with the Father was prepared him for the mission that he was about to embark upon. Henry Nouwen says this regarding solitude. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. 
Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. Solitude is the place of the great struggle and the great encounter. Look again at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, we have not typically viewed these 40 days and nights as a moment of rest for Jesus. But when we think about rest from a biblical perspective, remember, it means to cease from work. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. He left all of his previous responsibilities. He left all of the comforts of food and shelter and water. He left all of the noise and he found a moment of solitude with the Father. Out of this moment of solitude with the Father is birthed the earthly ministry of Jesus. See, we look at this and say 40 days of fasting, prayer and solitude in the wilderness is extreme. Well, the truth is Jesus had been had been sent to do something extreme. And so he needed extreme preparation. Again, we don't work for rest. We work from rest. There was evening and there was morning. Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. On the seventh day, their first full day was the Sabbath. Jesus retreated into the wilderness for 40 days of prayer, fasting, and solitude. He ceased from all of his earthly work as a man so that he could reveal himself as the Son of Man, as the Savior of the world, as God. He went into the wilderness so that he could reveal himself as God. We don't work for rest. We work from rest. All right, this just gets us to point number two. Two points today. One, we don't work for, we work from. Number two, Sabbath takes faith. Sabbath is a statement. It says, I'm not in control. And even if I don't complete all of the tasks that are on my list, God is still in control. Amen. The world continues to go around whether I get it all done or not. And God is okay Without us, he doesn't need you to complete your task in order for him to fulfill his mission in the earth. It's okay for us to stop for a moment and be refreshed by him. It's an acknowledgement. Sabbath is an acknowledgement of my inferiority and God's superiority. Amen. See, someone once said, show me what you worry about most and I'll show you where you trust God the least. And while that's a tough pill to swallow, it's certainly true. What area of your life or my life, what area of your life are you worrying about the most? What area of your life currently keeps you awake at night? What is it that arrests your attention and paralyzes you all at once throughout the day when everything's going fine and then just, you just have this moment and you're paralyzed and arrested sort of with fear and anxiety? We've all had those, those moments where out of nowhere, that fear or that worry it just pops into our mind and you feel that proverbial punch in the gut. Or you might be overwhelmed with emotion, sadness or grief or paranoia or fear. Could it be that we're simply not trusting God in those situations of our lives? Robert Morris in his book, Take the Day Off, says it this way, quote, My friend, either God's in control or he's not. Either a good God is working all things together for your good, or He's not. Either Jesus is Lord of all, or you are. Which is it? 
Speaking of the proverbial punch in the gut. <laughs> what I'm suggesting to us in this series is that once a week, we take 20, a 24-hour period to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. And I'm going to talk more about these four aspects of Sabbath in the weeks to come. But I'm suggesting we take 24 hours. But the principle of Sabbath is much bigger than just one day a week. God is offering us rest. One of the most famous quotes from Jesus himself is found in the book of Matthew, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 28, when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, weary, the Greek word means tired, exhausted, or to feel fatigue. It means to labor with wearisome effort. It means intense labor united with trouble and toil. Has anybody ever felt any of those things before? Tired, exhausted, and fatigued. Laboring or working, which is wearisome effort. Intense labor united with trouble and toil. Remember that word from earlier. I said that it was important and we'd come back to it. Genesis 3.17, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. When God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden of Eden and he told them to work and to cultivate and to take care of the creation. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God then cursed the ground and said, from now on, your work will be painful. It will be painful toil. Now, toil is a Hebrew word, atzab, and it means to hurt, pain, grieve, vex, or to rest with a W. I just thought that was interesting. Because of sin, our work is now rest with a W. Because of Jesus, we can now enter into his rest with an R. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I told you I was going to give you a bunch of definitions. The word burden is fortizo. And it means to load as in loading a ship or an animal. See, some of us have heard this passage preached many times. We've seen the many illustrations. Maybe you've been at a service where the stage is full of luggage and they preach this message about God giving us rest and all of the heavy luggage and baggage that we carry around. And, or maybe the preacher was wearing a, a heavy backpack to depict a person carrying a load that's too heavy. And the preacher said, you're not supposed to be carrying that load. And that's true. He's not wrong. But the implication in the words of Jesus aren't just about a suitcase or a heavy backpack. The implication is cargo that would be loaded onto a ship or a vessel. At the very least, cargo that would be loaded onto an animal. I mean, think about the images you've seen of the ancient world where someone might load a camel with all kinds of gear and stuff as they take a long journey across the desert. It's estimated that a camel can carry up to 900 pounds 25 miles a day. Listen, you are not a ship. You are not a camel. You were not created to carry cargo. 
but many of us are carrying a burden that we were never designed to carry. He says, you feel burdened. It's not because I'm just carrying something heavy. It's because I'm trying to carry something that was designed for a ship to carry. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, all who are tired, all who are exhausted, all who are fatigued, all who are laboring with wearisome effort, all who are intensely working with trouble and toil, all who were trying to carry the cargo that was intended for a ship, and I will give you rest. The word rest here means this, to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength. Sabbath. Remember Sabbath, Shabbat, cease, desist, rest from work. Jesus is saying, rest from your work. Stop carrying that load. Jesus is offering a Sabbath rest to us, not just once per week, but a life of resting in him. But it takes faith, which is point number two. It takes trust. It takes trust to say, you know what? I'm just not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to finish the to-do list. This is it. I'm done. Anybody ever watch the food channel? You watch anybody like the competition shows? And there's a timer. And when the timer goes off, what do the chefs do? Whether it's complete or not, whether that last little bit of icing is on there or not, whether that last little bit of garnish is on there or not, when the timer is up, the hands go up. What a beautiful illustration for Sabbath. And that's more on the practical side. Next week, we're going to get very practical. You know, I told you before, like we, we're honoring or we're doing Sabbath on, on, from Friday night to Saturday night. And the reason is because this I'm working right now. Like, you know, what I mean, like this is a, this is a full day of like stress and all kinds of stuff that comes along. You know, I'm here early in the morning. I'm here till late in the afternoon. And it's just like this is not Sabbath for me. So we do it on Friday night to Saturday at 3.30 p.m. I told you this a few weeks ago. My alarm goes off every Friday at 3.30 p.m. and it says prepare for Sabbath. That lets me know my timer is about to go off and I got two and a half hours to finish up whatever it is that I'm doing so that at Sabbath I can be, I can be ready. And this is the same thing. Jesus is offering us a moment to throw up our hands and say. So I know I'm kind of combining two thoughts here. One, Sabbath all the time. We're resting in Jesus no matter what you're facing. No matter what, we're surrendering it to him. And I'm also talking about a 24-hour period, a literal 24-hour period of saying, you know what, I'm going to stop working. I'm going to refresh myself so that I can enter into my work week rested and ready because we work from rest, not for rest. He's offering a Sabbath, a life of resting in Him. It takes faith. It takes trust, whether you're talking about 24 hours a week or just resting all of the time. Whether you're talking about taking that break on Friday or Saturday or Monday or whenever that is for you, or you're talking about a life of rest, knowing that God is in control of all things. I love that quote from Robert Morris. Either he's in control or he's not. 
Either he's a good God working all things for your good or he's not. Either he's Lord of all or you are. Which is it? Man, how many times am I stressed and worried over something and I just keep taking this? I can handle this. And God's going, give it to me. I'll give you rest. Scott Hubbard from Desiring God says this. Without regularly experiencing this kind of rest and with a special power every Lord's Day, it matters little how much we rest our bodies. He's talking about being refreshed in our soul. He says, it matters little how much we rest our bodies. Our rest will be restless and our work will become a desperate attempt to secure for ourselves the rest that we have not found in Christ. Neither the sluggard who works for the weekend nor the workaholic who has no weekend has yet learned to enjoy the rest of the true Sabbath. Not so with those who have heard and heeded Jesus' invitation to take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. The world and the devil would have us work even while we rest. But Jesus would have us rest even while we work. And here, in this Christ-saturated resting and working, we live out the Sabbath today. You can come and play. Rest is a gift. Sabbath is a gift. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Contextually, Isaiah was speaking the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel. And God said, in repentance and rest, you'll find salvation. In quietness and trust, you will find strength. And he's rebuking them. You would have none of it. What if God is saying the same thing to us today? And all of our complaints of, I'm so tired, I need rest, I can't keep going like this. And we profess that we can't keep going, but we just keep going. And we're worn out and we're fatigued. Well, God has provided for us a way to be refreshed. What if God is saying that to us today? You would have none of it. Listen, number one, we work from rest, not for rest. Rest is not a reward to be earned. It is a gift to be received or entered into. And number two, Sabbath, rest takes faith and trust. It's an acknowledgement that everything's going to be okay if I stop working for this period of time. I believe that God is calling us back just to a place of rest. Ashley's pursuing a degree right now at Southeastern University and some kind of something. <laughs> Christian leadership, ministry, ministry leadership. But one of her assignments was this book about Sabbath. And when we started the series, she sent us a picture. She's like, oh, I just have to read this for my class. And I'm starting to hear pockets of the body of Christ of people talking about this. 
And, and the body of Christ is, is notoriously guilty of fads. Like we're going to run and there's going to be this fad and we'll do this for a while and then we'll do this for a while and we'll, you know, we'll laugh for a while and go dust or fall from heaven for a while and we'll run for a while. And we'll, whatever the things are, there's these fads and pockets that move through the body of Christ. I don't think this is a fad. I think God is releasing a word to the body of Christ saying you're overworked, you're exhausted, and if you'll enter into my rest, then you can fill the job, the mission that I have for you. We just spent weeks, three weeks, talking about our mission, right? Talk, the, the series was about our mission. How can we fulfill the mission if there's never any rest? So it's not an accident that we went from mission to Sabbath because Sabbath, even though it seems counterintuitive, how can I stop working and then fulfill what God's called me to do? Because in that refreshing, then you, you come out into your work stronger and ready to go. There's an old story of some of the pioneers that were going from the east to the west. There were two groups. Well, there was one group and they were going from east to west and they would stop on the seventh day and they would honor the Sabbath together. And at some point as winter was approaching, it began to become this serious nature of like, what are we going to do? We have to get where we're going or we're going to die. And so there was this division in the group of we're going to push through seven days a week versus taking this one day to rest. And so there was this split where half the group said, we're not going to do that. We're going to honor the Sabbath and we're going to rest. And the other group said, we're going to push through. And the group that decided to push through began to slow down. And the group that decided to rest because they and, and then themselves and the animals and all of the things that were making the journey were able to rest one day a week, reach the destination in the West much quicker than the others because they chose to rest one day a week. And even though it seems counterintuitive, it's really God's way of fulfilling the mission that He's given us. Again, I'm mixing two principles and thoughts here. That Sabbath is bigger than just one day. Although one day is important, one day a week. What would you do with seven more weeks of vacation this year? That's what God's offering us. 52 days to intentionally rest and spend time with the Lord. 7.4 weeks additional of vacation. And God's saying, if you'll do that, how many of you think if you had seven more weeks of vacation, you could be more effective at work? <laughs> That's what God's calling us to. And it's going to look different for everybody. Again, we've been laying foundation and talking things, and we're going to get real practical in, the, in next week. The how-tos, what-abouts, and answering questions. But beyond even the one day, God is calling us to surrender everything we have to Him and rest in who He is and know that He's God. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, just for a moment, Father? we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.